G'day everyone, welcome to the Talking Leadership Podcast. Thank you for joining me again. And today I am speaking to someone who works in the legal world around, particularly around employment issues, and I cannot wait to get the podcast started. So by way of introduction, he is the Principal and Director of NB Lawyers. Can I welcome to the podcast, Jonathan Mamoral? How are you, mate? Nice to be here, Eric. Thanks. Mate, appreciate you um, coming along to speak. So we've decided off air and uh, a couple of weeks back when we spoke to maybe do this as a hybrid discussion because your experience around HR from that client perspective and what it means for leadership, I think is a critical one to be talking about and and to be fair to those that may be new to this space. I think if you are new to this space then you're missing out on something that's quite important for your business because when we talk about leadership being about dealing with people and leadership being the great enabler. Sometimes things go wrong in organizations and leaders have to be aware of what that looks like, particularly around people issues. So this is quite a timely discussion to be having. So before we get started on those questions, Jonathan, a bit of background to yourself. So why get into the legal space and why particularly in this area of law and how you think it links in with this idea of leadership? Yeah, this is this area is um, one that is I wouldn't say necessarily ignored, but potentially other areas of law take more precedence, say um, commercial law or property law, for example, might take more precedence for organisations, most because organisations are making those transactional moves. But dealing with your people, there's probably a couple of levels. One's HR or human, the human resources side, and then there's the other side, which is, is, is the employment law side, which are really inextricably linked. And what we're seeing as a result of what's happened in the last couple of years through the pandemic, we're actually seeing quite a lot of issues in this space, which are really coming to fruition out of actions, inaction, business, general results of what's happened in the last couple of years. So you're starting to see a magnifying of what used to occur, but you're seeing a magnifying of, of quite a lot, let's say claims, dealing with performance management, these are becoming much more prevalent, mental illness, much more prevalent um, in, in this period of time. Okay, that's a good foundational start to the discussion. And I'll, I might tease that out a little bit with you. You deal with a lot of organisations, you deal with a lot of businesses that, that are having issues around human resources, employment type issues. How has that affected, if it has affected, I, I won't preempt your response, obviously, your definition of what leadership is. So you, you've been around leaders, you're a leader yourself. Do you think the world in which you play in professionally has impacted on your on your definition of leadership? I think that's a, that's a good question, Eric. And I might take it to a couple of levels. So I think the first level is management. There's definitely been an effect on management and, and managers. And in particular, two big issues we have currently, which is retention and recruitment. Okay, the, the massive, massive problems. What we're saying, seeing in this HR space right now is difficulties of how to manage those problems, whether it's um, under-resourcing, whether it's keeping people in positions that you probably wouldn't in normal times, maybe promoting people into positions where they're potentially not quite ready for, and it's manifesting in in, in a way. It has to. It's manifesting in claims, that's job protections, unfair dismissal, discrimination claims, workplace bullying, sexual harassment, work cover claims, or it's manifesting people resigning, people going on, you know, go slows, people who are having issues with work from home, developing mental illness, uh, depression, anxiety, 
And managing that is becoming a problem. So I think going from that level to the other level, which is probably that leadership level, leading that or leadership teams leading that is problematic because having those difficult conversations, having strategic difficult conversations are becoming uh, problematic because you're not necessarily sure uh, what might may, may come about because of those discussions. And so I think you have a situation where leaders understanding that people being a, a massive resource and in some companies probably the biggest resource they have, but not quite sure how to deal with those resources, currently deal with people right now in a way that doesn't create a major risk or major liability, but also um, in a pure sense of trying to retain people or recruit people in the future for future growth. So I think you have this, this, these conflicting parts that are occurring right now, not just at that leadership level, which is, you know, in some, some ways conceptual, but also I think you have it at that, that, that uh, down-to-earth level, which is um, the management side as well. Yeah, thank you for for clearing that up. I think there's a, there's always going to be a tension there, and the issues you brought up before about seeing more mental health problems, more potential claims around issues to do with the with the world of work and the space in which you work in. Do you do you think there's a lot of? And I'll try and and keep the the terminology out of this as much as I can because I want this to be a free flowing discussion, and it's not about research so much. It's more about asking you the question. Do you think leaders sit back when um, they've had to get you involved to resolve an issue that there is any learnings from that experience or is it more a reactive thing when you're talking about uh, people in the work, work, that workspace context? That is, it's a good question, Eric, because in some respects it will depend on the organisation and how they value human resources. And I, and I mean that in several levels, the human resources teams, functionality and then of course uh, the people that have in the organization and the way that works in, in that organization so you know human resources in manufacturing is going to be completely different to say human resources in say a professional services environment where that you know the maybe the, the main revenue generators okay so as opposed to product and service so you do have there is a difference in, in how they would approach it whether there's learnings that really comes down to again the stock they put into human resources. For example, if you're not following a policy or if your managers aren't following a policy, you know, say workplace bullying policy or health and safety policy that's been developed by the organisation, then of course you'd expect that there's going to be high risk, which is most likely going to turn to high reliability, most likely going to turn into uh, penalties for the organisation and penalties for the individuals involved, right, or financial penalties. And, of course, the media that goes with that and the publicity that goes with that, negative publicity goes with that, right? However, you could potentially use that as a, as a learning opportunity as to, okay, well, what could we have done for this to not occur in the first place? For example, management training around performance management. Why we want to do it in a certain way? That's the other question. Like, not just how, but why we do it. Uh, because we don't want to be held personally liable, we don't want to be held liable at all if we can, but also we don't want to make it easy for, uh, say, an empl- employee lawyer or employee advocate to make it easy for us to, to be on the, the front of the Courier Mail or Brisbane Times or whatever it might be. That's one of the fundamentals is that, yes, 
you have to deal with all these these uh, these problems, but also uh, also have an understanding of well, what can we learn from from those uh, mistakes or, or what we could have done better as well. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from from that. And the, yeah, it is the question was I, I didn't make want it to be that nuanced or or um, generic, but I think it has to be because it depends on the organisation that you're going to, what the leadership there thinks of the HR function. If the HR function is valued to the necessary degree to make sure that you're not potentially placing your organisation or yourself in uh, legal jeopardy, I would I would suggest to you, and I'm, I'm only looking at this as a lay person because I make no absolutely no claims about <laughs> any any legal background here because I've never had to endure a legal issue um, on either side of that fence, um, and it's not something I would be looking forward to if, if it did happen. But I guess it's it's about how you manage risk in the business, particularly when it comes to your people, because if you're not as an example, if you're not providing training to your managers that are dealing with people on a day-to-day basis and you're not, you're running some big risks there. And I guess it comes down to this idea, and I didn't think we would go here, but I guess we need to, is the culture of the place. So if there's a culture that says your people are a valuable, if not the most valuable asset in the business, then I think the thinking is a little bit different to the people are just one element of how the business operates. Now, I'm not going to make a judgment. Some businesses will go one way, some will go the other, or some hybrid of the two. It, it sets itself up for what's your risk profile if something goes to um, goes to poo, so to speak. I guess one example I could draw out, and, and I'll get your, your feedback on this because I've, I've done some podcasting with some very, very interesting people that have done a deep dive into toxic workplaces and workplace bullying. Mm. And I know that that's an area that, that you have some expertise in so help me if you can define what bullying is in the workplace context and what you think the level of impact that has on an organization once something uh, once a bullying incident has been when you're entering into that litigation space there's sometimes a bit of a misconception about workplace bullying but there's a couple of key characteristics so it needs to create a health and safety risk and it has to be uh, repeated and unreasonable behavior. Okay, so that's probably the the three main elements to workplace bullying. Recently, the Fair Work Act has actually provided a direct line of complaint for workplace bullying, where you can actually make an application. An employee can make an application, um, but it it is there's no financial benefit to the application. So they've got some ranging powers, such as uh, stop bullying orders, which means you know, they can make it public, they can force training. There's a few things that the commission can do, but there's no financial benefit. And that's probably why you don't see a lot of those types of claims. And it gets utilised into other claims such as junk protections or if it's, you know, that's probably the, the, the main one, maybe discrimination or something like that. One organisation is dealing with bullying. It's actually not that relatively easy, okay? So a lot of, a lot of people just say, well, there's a complaint of bullying, um, we're just going to, deal with it, we'll believe one side or the other and we'll go from there. And that's fine, but actually you do need that. And it's conceptually fine, but there's actually more to it. Now, if you've got a policy, follow that. But even if there's no policy um, or if there, if there was, it, there is one, there's pretty much a general uh, process you need to go through. And that really centres upon most likely an investigation of some type. And, and really what you're doing is trying to get both sides of the story. Okay. And there might be some circumstances and there might even be a clash of facts, right? You know, the facts, are, you know, are not straightforward. Uh, you might have to talk to witnesses. And then after all that, come up 
come up with what we call a, a decision on the balance of probabilities, which is basically on the balance, which way do we think we lean on? And it might even be that some's unsubstantiated and some, some is substantiated. And then from there, then there's a different conversation probably needs to occur. And then, of course, whatever disparate action might occur. But throughout that whole process, there's actually many ways for organizations and many ways organizations have fallen into the trap of making mistakes. A, sim- a really simple one is just taking the word of the complainant for granted. So just saying, okay, yep, we believe you and then taking immediate dis- disciplinary action. Because what happens is then you're, you're only relying upon that. That is that the complaint is true. If the complaint is not true, right? And that really the, the facts will probably only be borne out if you do it that way, will only be borne out in a court, which is again, not great. You don't want to see that, okay? You don't want to have your dirty laundry aired necessarily in that, that fashion, especially if you don't know what people are going to say, right? Witnesses are going to say. Um, you, you, will, you, you will have... A decision but it may not be to your liking and, and it, it may be that the court says well it is it isn't workplace bullying the only way it can go is that there is an unfit dismissal or there's there's discrimination or whatever the case of the employee is made okay so that's that's one way another way is is dealing with um, any other complaints that come out of it so there might be counter complaints there might be extenuating circumstances like for example that um that the person actually think that they're actually bullying um, there might be extenuating circumstances of family. There might be some family issues in the background. That's why it's it's coming out in a certain way. And you won't find that information unless you actually investigate it. And that's where a lot of a lot of organisations, especially I would have to say smaller businesses, those who don't have a huge um, HR budget or no HR budget at all, uh, they really get unstuck uh, with that that top situation. As well as I would say uh, managers. In, in large organisations who potentially don't have either the capability um, or the experience to deal with these types of issues in the right way or at least in a way that can be documented and, process, and go through a process. Sounds like it can get exceptionally complicated. So, again, you've been around your industry for a fair, for a fair while. So do you have some sense of the economic impact of poor HR practices leading to litigation, the need to approach your firm and firms like yours on a state or national basis? Do you have some numbers you could throw at us? I'll put simply, Quarry University, they dealt with a situation where there was, you know, there's quite a bit of, there was quite a few problems. There was um, harassment, there was bullying, there was uh, an organisation that involved their own policy, there was witnesses that weren't credible. Okay, so there was a lot of of issues in there. That employee that, that made that filed that claim was awarded $1.3 million. You know, you've got situations where organisations have made mistakes. Okay, and that one, repeated mistakes, sure. But even organisations where they've made even trivial errors, errors such as the, the employee has been caught stealing but not given an opportunity to respond to the allegation and was fired uh, immediately. And you think on the face of it, well, that all makes sense. But what if you're wrong? What if there are extenuating circumstances? What if the CCTV footage you're, you're relying upon is grainy and not look that credible anymore? What if they're, you know, what if? And if, if, if any of those things come back as, well, there's a problem here, then, again, you're relying upon um, something that you dismiss them on, which may not be true and therefore has to be an unfair dismissal. So a valid reason 
and you know is not not the only thing you're looking for you're also looking for procedural fairness and natural justice okay and there's different elements to everything but generally speaking procedural fairness and natural justice essentially talks about you know giving the person opportunity to respond following your policies and processes potentially having a support person in place you know being reasonable if you sort of do those things, generally a lot of the elements sort of in most things come to play. Yes, there's a few technical legal ones such as general protections, which has a reverse onus of proof and, you know, even, even discrimination. But generally procedural fairness and natural justice will, will give you generally something to work with. But not all cases or not all issues are the same. And so this is where HR teams, managers and leaders need to be really careful is they're not just putting, they're not just saying, okay, square hole, round peg. They, they need to be very, very careful that it may not fit. And so the best way to do it is to get as much information as possible, if needed, slow down the process if needed. And then of course, after that, some learnings that come out of that. And the best way to do that, you know, training, you know, reviews of your policies and processes. And so people have a especially management teams have a particular understanding of why things like performance management is integral to a lot of the things that happen with, with people, people management. I think it's worth having these discussions because this is an area when you're talking about leadership where if leadership goes wrong, the consequences are people like yourself will become involved and, and have to go through where the process has gone wrong. And I think, again, not knowing a lot about how the legal profession works, processes and systems seem to be critical when you're trying to unpack where did it go wrong and if someone has given a person accused of an issue every every chance to demonstrate what happened give them the time to think about all the things that you talked about it's a lot more difficult to say this person wasn't given every chance to to stump up and and say what they'd done or what they hadn't done my question out of this, uh, out of the millions that are sort of coming to my head at the moment, we don't have the time to go through all of them, obviously. And like I've said before, I'm a curious fellow when it comes to these conversations is, do you see that there's a capacity issue between the bigger end of town and your smaller businesses? Because, And why I ask this is, and I, I, I can intuitively, I guess, I think I know where you're going to go with the answer on this, but I'll nuance the question a little by asking and, and getting your feedback on this question. And an additional one is, is there a difference, do you think, between size of business, one, and then two, we seem to be encouraged in this country, like many Western countries, to get into small businesses and build a team and build a business. Do we, is there enough in the training when you develop a business that um, gets it in your head that the people element, there are legal obligations that you've got that you need to adhere to. Is that is that enough? Is there enough of that education for small business owners or is that something that is learnt once the proverbial hits the fan? The answer is probably not. And there is a difference. Naturally, is one, there is more resources. And naturally, there's more resources. So that's one, one part of it. The, the other part as well is that when you're a small business, especially if you're starting out in the startup phase or and it depends on what, you, what, what type of industry you're in. I mean, technology is potentially a little bit different. Pretty much everyone else, uh, especially for service providers, but service providers in particular, you know, you're focused on getting a new contract, you know, revenue generation. That's really the focus because all those other things, you know, um, IT, marketing, legal, HR, they won't matter if you don't have the revenue, right? So that's that's one part, okay? That's definitely right. But 
where you so yes there are some problems in that startup especially if they're hiring people for the first time and they might make some mistakes and especially if they haven't done it before yeah okay discrimination claims and you know some silly things here and there you know not paying them correctly okay that that happens where we see a lot of the problems are the ones where they've gone through rapid growth in a short period of time so i'm talking about those organizations that have received you know new grant money or new funding you know they've obtained a government tender or they've uh, obtained a, a big corporate tender for the first time and you know maybe they've come up to come up with an idea of how they were going to scope that and maybe there's some there's some errors there okay um so that's one part where they're, they're hiring new people to sort of fill gaps that they didn't know they necessarily had or, or they projected they were going to have but they didn't they didn't know, they didn't know the market necessarily what they were hiring. And because of that, yeah, you do have problems. So one is obviously personality clashes like that. That happens all the time. It naturally happens. Uh, but the other thing as well is because they don't necessarily have that pure direction of where they're going um, necessarily, at least at that stage, they don't have the, the back end supporting it. So policy and process is a big one, even even just missing employment contracts or having contracts that are drafted incorrectly or poorly, you know, protections over confidential information, intellectual property, uh, they're all, they're all problematic. Uh, you know, even just use of company assets such as computers and stuff like that. So you're not really, because of that, you're not really setting the standards. Yeah. What's, what's acceptable and not acceptable. And then to say to someone, well, that's not acceptable behavior, you know, it's, and then the employer says, well, that's common sense. You should know that. You know, simply the employee goes, well, I didn't know. You know common sense is not what it used to be known as. It, it's, you know, the, it, to be honest, it doesn't really exist. You know, different people have different standards. And so if you haven't set that out, you know, the code of conduct or something like that, well, yeah, people will, may misbehave, but only from your perspective, not necessarily from, from theirs. Uh, you know, how they talk to clients and, and all those types of things. So that's where we see problems is that that, those organizations that are going through rapid growth, they might have got a huge tender or something like that, which, but they haven't uh, done the back end to support that, you know, that the, the HR policy process to the systems. And just even having a building capability managers to actually deal with that, deal with problems, et cetera. In, in the wish list of hiring, you hope that the people that you're hiring have got those skill sets that you're talking about yeah. when, when you get them in. And I, I think um, one thing you're one thing that you're bringing out quite clearly in my my thinking is the that hiring process, the getting the right people in. If you are in that growth phase, that that's kind of your insurance policy that you're kind of hoping that if you're recruiting in the right way and you're getting middle to senior managers, your I would think your expectation is that you're getting people that have got this experience experience and understand that they have to have good processes they have to have standard setting they have to have policies in place because yeah this idea to say well isn't it common sense i don't think you can legislate can never legislate no. for common sense and um i used to back when i was uh starting at university i worked with my father in the construction industry and i used to always gripe about every every um site you'd go to you'd have to go through a new induction process or they'd walk you through what the site was about and i had it in my head for decades it's only really now that i'm very recently i've got some friends who are in the um ohs game that are quite non- more knowledgeable than myself that said you do realize in at every site you were working at you're in a day dangerous place to be and work and they're all a little different and they have to make sure that they're covering off by telling you i don't care where you've worked before yeah this site will be different and 
I used to think, horse shit, if I have to be safe and work safe, I know what working safe for me means. But yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I, I get it now as I've, I've got a few more years under my belt. But when I was younger, I just thought it was just painful to have another ticket or another induction, another part of my day lost, just sitting there listening to older people telling me what I can't do, knowing that I'm smart enough to know you don't put electrical gear near water. Yeah. You don't. Uh, not wear your helmet, you don't throw things off heights and hope it doesn't hit someone in the head, like just simple common sense things. I don't think of that common sense. Some people have to be told, don't throw shit off heights because it could hit someone and kill them and or cripple them. And yeah, anyway, look, again, rabbit hole time there. So, all right, uh, Jonathan, I have to ask, I guess, given that I've got you here and I don't want to waste the opportunity in doing this, if I put you in the role of, of some kind of government ministerial role and you were going to change the face of how small businesses and businesses work in this area. What uh, nuggets of advice would you give to businesses uh, to try and look at how do you protect yourself as best you can and future-proof yourself from these things from happening? Not that I'm saying it will never happen, but how do you how do you get how do you inculcate better practice when it comes to HR employment law, the areas that you you work with um, day in and day out? So protection is one part, Eric. Right. So yes. You know, protect the organization, your business from, you know, nefarious claims. Okay, that, that's true. That, that's, that's one part of it. I think the other part as well that, that businesses sometimes forget is that, yes, there's protection and, yes, there's a cost to all that, but also it is setting a foundation for further growth as well, okay? So, yes, it sounds like having these contracts and having these policies reviewed and, develop them in the right way, paying a lawyer to do that, making sure that these, you know, you manage your team again, training around having to manage staff. It does sound like a cost. And of course it is. It is a cost. But it is also a foundation for, for growth. Because I mean, even putting aside that as well, there are all there are times when you're tendering for for certain organizations out there who require this to be in place. So they can comply with modern slavery legislation, for example, or even just the general, you know, policies around harassment, et cetera. So you, you might even still have, you'd be forced into this. But what I would say is before you get forced into something like that, you know, actually sit down, have a think about how you can, yes, one, protect the business, but two, set some of these foundations in place for, for future growth and do it at a time when, you know, things are, you know, quiet, all that. Okay, sure. But, but do it in the background. It doesn't have to be the focus, right? So uh, you might go, okay, uh, Jonathan and, and NB Lawyers team, guys, can I get you guys to review the contracts? Um, no real rush, but if we can get it done by, say, you know, 1 July, because we have our reviews coming up, we can issue the new contracts as part of that review. Brilliant. You've taken one step, which really could, you know, change, especially if you've got really bad restraint clauses and all those types of things. That can make a big change in the organisation going forward, especially if you're looking to hire more staff, especially if you're looking to restructure a little bit. You know, those types of things make a huge difference um, in, in, in those rapid growth phases in particular. Makes a lot of sense if, if you're starting a small business and you're wanting to hire people, setting, setting these things up as templates, as policies that you can build your HR function, even if you don't have the resources to make it mm. a critical part of the business. It is... I think part of the DNA these days is what what I'm seeing in the seafood industry. And I'll, I'll just a slight aside here is that I work for a board, and that board has to have professional indemnity insurance every year. It um, 
you can correct me on this if I'm wrong. I don't think they have to have it, but they've had it every year since there's been a board and that protects you for on certain things. And the cost of that is going up and up every year. It's not getting mm-hmm. any cheaper to do. And when I reached out to a few people that were in the know and asked why, it was because the country is becoming more litigious and there's just more legal activity. And that got me thinking that there's more and more stuff ups around how boards do their, their thing yes. because they're not, complying to good governance processes so if you took that thinking and applied it to the world of work and hr in the area where you make your living part of the dna of setting something up is to maybe look at these things to try and probably future proof is the best way to say this in my mind as much to the extent that you can because sometimes problems will happen i, I could recruit yep. you jonathan i think you were the best let's say you weren't a lawyer you worked in some other specialist area hey i've recruited jonathan he's awesome and then suddenly a year in, you're one of the most toxic managers the place has ever seen. I don't know about it because there's a few degrees mm-hmm. of separation. And then suddenly I've got claims coming out of my backside from people going, he doesn't trust us. He's making it hard to work here. We're getting bullied. We're getting repeated inappropriate email content, whatever that is. Yes. I'm thinking, how? How did this happen? And Sometimes those people, the, the narcissists and the sociopaths can get into jobs and then it becomes an issue. I don't think you can escape that. Before we go, can I get you to give the listeners a bit of an overview of what it is that your practice does and how you could help in this area? Before I do that, Eric, I was going to say, it's really easy to firefight, you know, deal with the problems, react to them. You know, we're getting sued. Let's defend the claim. Really easy. And, and what I say by that is it is difficult to deal with. But in terms of understanding the, the, the psychology of it is actually quite easy. And yes, it's complex. And you, but to be honest, you, you know, it, it's, a, it's much easier to stay in that zone. What's harder is to go back a couple of steps and go into that advisory space where you're trying to advise before it becomes um, an actual uh, claim. And then going back even further, where you're trying to educate yourself to get to the point where you can identify it before it becomes an issue so you can head off and have strategies to deal with it as you know for example instead of having a workplace bullying complaint you've actually got strategies where you're having you know regular training because you're having regular training with staff and managers they're able to identify it much quicker much easier and much stronger pace so you can deal with and have those strategic discussions with those employees who you have you're dealing with so if you can get into that space into the education phase as opposed to firefighting I think that's where organized, and it's very hard for small businesses. I get that, very hard. But if you can get to that space earlier, the earlier you can get, the the, the much better it is. Yeah, um, but to, to be fair to you, mate, and I know you you always put the qualifier, it's harder for smaller businesses. I think we're all adults here. If you're getting into the space where you're hiring people, the excuse that you're a small business doesn't cut, won't cut in court. No, if, it doesn't. If, if I went to court and I said, Look, look, Your Honour, uh, I'm a small business. I didn't know ignorance of your responsibilities is not a defence no. for anything, is it? No. So uh, There are again, some protections, like small well, business dismissal code and things like that, but ignorance is not, yeah. not a defence. Yeah, no, no, I, I, no, I agree. And why, why this is sets alarm bells off in my head is that the majority of our businesses in this country, like most developed countries, is small to medium businesses. And yeah. so the, uh, the the fact that you're saying as some of those get into growth phases where they find their problems, you know, getting that culture to change and go, well, we need businesses like yours, Jonathan, to, to help us, to educate us. And so that thing about um, having a bit of medicine before... 
you know, pre pre prepping yourself and 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 oh, maybe medicines are not not the right term here. Maybe taking <laughs> your vitamins and living healthy yeah. will ward off the shit that you don't want to happen to you. With legal issues, it's a costly. There's costs involved. Nobody really wins out of the process. I think there's damage all round because it costs somebody money. It costs somebody time. There's reputational impacts. And yes, if if leaders don't believe that people don't talk about what's happening internally in your business in quiet halls somewhere, you're crazy that the culture that you generate will get talked about outside of your business, whether you're aware of that or not. And this gets interesting when you've got, for example, consultants or people that hire people, not as employees, but as smaller consultancies that make up the bigger business, then there's all sorts of issues around that as well, that irrespective of whether the person's an employee or a consultant, you've got to have systems and processes in place because essentially if you're paying for someone to provide you a service that's going to grow your business, then you, you owe responsibilities and duties of care. Now, we won't go into the defining mm, what those yes, are, but yes, yeah, yeah. Um, you can't escape by saying, well, you're an independent contractor, so you just got to look after yourself. It's got nothing to do with me. Yes. Don't think that flies. And um, I, I think intuitively it would make sense that if you're going to take other people on in professional capacities to help you grow your business, then you owe them all sorts of protections and, and ways to work with them that keeps them happy in the workspace as much as you can physically do that. And like I said, I think it would be um, silly to think that these things won't happen through the best of protections. But if you do nothing, that's not a strategy either. You know, doing nothing and hoping yeah. something doesn't go wrong is not, that's not good strategy. I, I'm, I'm I've never claimed I'm a strategy expert, but I know yeah. that's not a good strategy to do nothing. Well, doing nothing is, there is no, you have no defense then, right? So if you do nothing, you don't have anything in place. You take action on emotion. You know, you do make emotional reactions and you don't think about it logically. Well, yeah. You know, yes, you might get away with it. A couple, the early people might say, oh, I don't bother suing. At some point, that luck runs out. And relying upon luck in business is not a strategy. You can get lucky and create your own luck, sure. But just relying upon luck as a strategy in itself, yes, you're going to be caught out. Yes, you're going to have yourself sued and your house in, uh, problematic. Yes, you're going to lose your savings. Yeah, the answer is yes. Those things will happen, absolutely. So there is a, there a point of people going, well, should I go into business? Yeah, you need to think about those things. It's not just about revenue generation. That, that is one part of it. How do I make this into something that I can live off or, or more? Right, yes, that's one part of it. But there are other parts to it as well. Now, I'm not, you know, there's many parts. But people, the, the people management side, that's quite, especially if you're in a, a labor-intensive industry where, you know, in particular where, or, or an industry where you highly rely upon production of people to, to, to um, create something, a service or a product. What you do around that people strategy or people management strategy will have a great effect long-term. And again, as I said, you might get away with it for a bit of time, for a period of time, but at some point it will come to a head. And I'm talking about family businesses as well. You know, those family businesses, people, that there's going to come a time where you hire new people, where you hire someone outside the family, where you hire people that you don't necessarily know all that well, but you're taking a punt on. And that's when, you know, problems do occur. Problems do shape up. They're always there, but they do get magnified. 
once that occurs, yes. Yeah, thank you for throwing in the, the family business model too. It's um, mm. I've spoken to a few people in leadership roles that have, have either expanded on a family business or have moved away from the family business model. And I think that creates a whole nother set of issues because when you're dealing with your core people being your own family, then that that can lead to all sorts of interesting outcomes if if those relationships aren't managed properly. Yeah. You're talking world of work versus family. And, and to me, personally sounds like a nightmarish thing to be working with like i love my family but having them run a business with me that no that's not a recipe for success i'm only talking myself here that to to, to me the the model the business model and where i'm going with this not that i'm undermining family businesses they're all very good i'm not having a go at those running family businesses that just creates a different set of issues i think to a business yeah that's not the case so that's all i meant come at me when you're listening to the podcast i'm not not anti the family business i think it's great it, it's a p- p- pillar of our economy but it's it's one of the models that we've got to consider so jonathan mate yep. appreciate your time so uh, again before i go give us a bit of a rundown as, as to what services you provide and how you can help businesses in this space yeah so i, I had the employment law team at, at mb lawyers uh with the lawyers for employers we can be found at lawyersforemployers.com.au. Phone number is 0738765111. Um, yes, we have a, a range of services, but as I said, it's really on those three pillars, education, advice, and of course, the back end, uh, the problem solving, right? So the, the, the litigious parts. In particular, we help HR teams and really to assist businesses in you know, making sure that they can work towards their goals, uh, but we can help with the people management side in particular. Jonathan, thank you for that. In addition to your plug there, which I appreciate, and for those listening, if you do need help in this area, please reach out to Jonathan and the team. I'll also put your details in in the podcast description and, of course, a link link to your LinkedIn profile, mate. Thank you again. No worries. Thank you so much. For those listening, this has been Talking Leadership. Thank you for following the podcast and we'll catch everyone on the next podcast.